0: The only thing that matters is your name written in the book of life. Amen. Are you saved? Nothing that we do here on this earth matters, except is your soul going to heaven? Think about that. We've worked so hard, and we do, we work so hard through a lot of things in our lives but <coughs> excuse me the only thing that matters is are you safe is your name written in the book of life does he know you does he know you i know he knows you you know there's a lot of books that we can talk about question is do you know him do you know him it is written that jesus uh turns to his uh, disciples one day and he said to him i'll pray the father and he'll send you another comforter you know what a comforter is a paracletos A helper come alongside you with his godly strength and help to help you. Who needs help? I need help every day of my life. You say, but you look as strong and I need help. Believe you me, I need help. He says, I'll pray the Father will send you another comforter and he will be with you and in you forever. He says, the world don't know him. And then he says in that verse 17, he says, but you know him. Question is, do you know him? Some people proclaim to know Him, but they don't. Do you know the Master? And this is what Mark is telling us as we study through the book of Mark. Two things. Who Jesus is and why He came. Have you heard me say that over the last few weeks a lot of times? And I'm going to repeat it because this is Mark's message. Who is Jesus and why did He come? He is the Son of God. He's the one who reached out from heaven to earth. He came from heaven to earth. But He's also the Son of Man. He Himself, choose for Himself. Go and read through the Gospels. When He speaks about Himself, He says the Son of Man. The One who came and He can reach out from earth up into heaven. And we know that when He died, He went to the grave, He rose again. Somebody shout hallelujah. He rose again. We're serving a living Christ. He's not dead. And then what happens? He was taken up in the clouds into heaven. And the disciples saw this. They witnessed it. Where is He now? At the Father's throne. throne. What is He doing there? He's interceding for us. He's interceding for us. The Son of God, the Son of Man, went to the Father, and within His body He bears the marks for you and me. The marks of the cross. My brother, he was absolutely right. You cannot come to him without repentance. Mark tells us this. He tells us who Jesus is and why he came. Mark actually tells us that he came to serve. He was the servant Christ, the one who serves us with his life. He gave his life for you and for me. Everything he had, he gave his very own life. That is love amazing. To give up everything he has. If I come to you and I say, what is your net worth? And you tell me what your net worth is, and I say, can you wipe it off and give it all to me? How easy is that going to be? The first thing that's going to come up in your mind is, oh, but I'm going to struggle tomorrow if I give you everything today. Isn't that right? He didn't even think about tomorrow when he hang on that cross well. He thought about today is the day that that veil is going to be torn open from top to bottom so that you and I can have entry into that. We sometimes live so much in the future, don't we? In the future. What's going to happen tomorrow? What about tomorrow? What about tomorrow and the day after and the day after that? Neglecting to see what He's giving us today. For today is the day that you live. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And here he tells us this, and we saw over the last few weeks how Mark is brilliantly putting this all together for us to see how Jesus Christ came to serve us, who He is, why He came. And you know what? One thing that we've learned last week when we looked at it is that Jesus shook the Jewish theology. He really shook it. And and we need to listen to this. Because each one sitting in this place has been influenced by your culture that you grew up in has been influenced by how you came to Christ and what teaching you sat under. Each one of us are influenced by our own thoughts and our, and our processes. And when we process the Word of God and when we process Christ, we can't but help to come to Him with all of this baggage behind us and then we come to Christ and say, according to my experience, according to me, this is how you should look for me. This is how you should look to me. This is how you should serve me. Because it's all about me in this world, isn't it? Come on, let's face it. It's all about me. If you're not going to satisfy me, I'm going to go. I've got an expectation, and if you can't get up to that expectation, I'm going to go. And that is the biggest problem and sin in people's hearts. It's all about us. Jesus walks in and here is these scribes and these Pharisees, and they had their theology, and every single thing needs to fit within that box. They want to take Jesus from the heaven and put Him in the box. Let it be known today that you cannot put Jesus in a box. He owns the box. Isn't that wonderful? But this is what we do. So if we point finger at these scribes and Pharisees and And we say, you should have thought better and know better. Think about it. You are in that same seat when you come to the Word of God. What has influenced you this last week? And how are you sitting here today? How are you sitting here today? What conversations did you have the last week? And what did you bring out of those conversations sitting here at the Word of God? That's going to influence you. As it influenced these people. So he shook them really. He proved that he had the power to forgive sins of the paralytic man. Remember this. You remember how they broke up the, the roof and they let the man down? And before the man, this is my words, before the man could even speak, he says, your sins are you forgiven, because he saw the faith of these men. And he saw the faith. And these men, because they came with their own reference, with their own background, say to him, who do you think you are to forgive sins? Who do you think you are? And this is what our conversations are made up sometimes we come to a situation and we say who do you think you are to come and speak into my life am I talking to real people here sometimes somebody says something to you that upsets you my question is why did it upset you is it true number one or is it not true if it is true what they said and it upsets you then you've got something to work on am I right or wrong if it is not true what they say then you can address the situation and move on. But the problem is we are so self-focused that if somebody comes and says something which is not true, it upsets our whole being. We get upset with it and then we start mulling over it and it takes us a lifetime to get over some things. Let it be known today. Happened to these men, it happens to us as well as today. His message was contrary to their whole belief system. They believe that only God can forgive sins. And who's this man coming in here? And he tells us that this man's sin is even forgiven. And Jesus so wonderfully said to them, What is more difficult, to tell this paralytic man to take up his bed and walk, or to forgive him his sins? You see, what he demonstrated for them is that he has got absolute power and authority over sin. And that should excite your heart today. Listen to me very clearly. I do not have power over your sin as a pastor. I'm not a super pastor. I don't want to be a super pastor. No man upon the face of the earth has got authority and power over your sin. Not the Pope, no other priest, no one else but Jesus Christ alone. And you should say Amen to that. You know what Amen means? It means I agree with what you say. And I was going to say it anyway whether you agree or not. Because that is so true. No man can come into you and say your sins are you forgiven. The only one who can do that is Jesus Christ. He's got absolute power and authority. So Mark tells us who Jesus is and what he came to do to forgive sin. And that really shook this means belief system. As it shakes yours. It shook mine when I was a young man. When I heard the gospel one day preached in the church, the preacher up there at the front, my beautiful wife now, invited me into church. I was sitting at the back. This man didn't even meet me. He started preaching the Word of God and it felt as if he was just preaching to me. I was sitting at the back of the church and it felt as if the whole church was looking at me. They grow some miracle eyes in the back of their heads. (laughs) I felt so ashamed about the things which He said, which is applicable to me. But when I came to Christ and He forgave me my sin, oh, what a beautiful, wonderful day that was. And here we find it. He has, he has got authority and He spoke with authority. And here we saw for, the, for one of those times where authority met authority. Heavenly authority met earthly authority. And who's got the best authority? Come on, you tell me. Heavenly authority. Coming from God. And that spoke into that man's life that day. And now we find from here on, and what we found when he, when he healed the, the, the leprous man, he told the man with leprosy not to go and talk about it, but what did the man do? He went and he spoke about it. I think about the song, hopping and dropping and... See, uh, uh, where the word goes? Hopping and skipping and praising God. Hopping and skipping and praising God. Everywhere he goes, telling people about it. That wasn't good. Because that stopped Jesus from speaking openly. And here we find the same thing. After he now healed this man, the scribes are sitting there. They are going on about, who, where do you get the spell? Who do you think you are? And Jesus says, this has been done so that you may see and know that the Son of Man has got the power to forgive sins. This is what he said. And that shook their world. But from here on, every single word and action of Jesus will now be scrutinized by the scribes. It will be. And you and I are sometimes in that same boat. Just take it when you come to the cross. What did your family do? Your family. They scrutinized you. The ones who were not saved, I should say. What did they say? Are you really going to church? What? Four times for the month now? Is this a real serious thing of you? Why do they say that? Because they know your history. Your history. They know that. And they can't believe that such a change has taken place. This is what Jesus is dealing with. So, this did not deter Jesus. Not at all. He proceeds to serve the people. Sometimes when it happens to us, what do we do? The world don't love us anymore. Oh, I'm getting so scrutinized by the world. I'm getting so persecuted by the world. And, and a lot of times, I see a lot of Christians walking around with a victim mentality. Oh, the world don't love me anymore. Well, the world's not supposed to love you. Hello? The world's not supposed, is it? But this is the thing, Glenn. They are fighting for the love of the world. It is a victim mentality. Christ did not walk around with a victim mentality. Mentality. He didn't walk around and get His disciples together and say, Oh, those, do you hear what those scribes say? Oh, they, those, those scribes, they don't get me. They don't understand me. They don't know. He didn't do that. What did He do? He kept on doing what He was doing. And we're going to see it today. This time, with a ministry of hope to a hated man and a hopeless class. That's the message today. We're going to see today hope to a hated man. To a hated man. Let's read about this man. Mark chapter 2 verse 13. Then he went out again by the sea and all the multitude came to him. How wonderful is this? The multitude came to Jesus. Is that happening in our day? No, they don't. They run away, isn't it? They don't want to hear about him. But here in this particular sense, they came to him and he taught them. He taught them. You see, Jesus was focusing on what He came to do. We've heard this before. In Mark chapter 1 verse 38, He said, this is Jesus, but He said, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. So why did Jesus come? To preach. I said it before. I said it in the the messages before. He didn't come to be the miracle healer. So many churches preach Jesus Christ as this miracle healer, the secret potion, the secret wand. You just say in the name of Jesus and boom! There's there's some secret stuff happening there. He didn't come to be that. And if you see that, that is error. Let me tell it to you. He came to preach the gospel because it's not because of this body sickness. It is about the soul being saved. That is what He came for. And he said it to them. He said, let's go into the next towns that we may preach there also. Because for this purpose I have come. So now we see that he used two things. He used preaching, which is Kairos. He stood up and he spoke hard. And it's so amazing. If you see all of the places that Jesus spoke, he didn't have a nice mic like I've got here. He wasn't a weak Jesus. He was a powerful man. Think about it. Multitudes came and He had the voice to speak to a multitude. So that even in the cheap seats at the back they could hear Him perfectly. This is the Jesus. He went by the sea. What do you find by the sea? You find waves, you find wind, you find birds, you find animals, you find people chatter. By that He, he, he raised up His voice and He speak. That is Kairos. He preached the word But here he uses the Greek word didako. What is that meaning? It means to make you a disciple. A disciple. The problem in the church today is, and if I say churches in general, is that a lot of people come to the cross but they never go to the didako. What do you mean, preacher? What are you saying? What is didako? they go and they say a five minute prayer some churches do that they go now your sins are forgiven welcome in church yeah yeah, sit down but they never come to the dedico of jesus christ where they accept his teaching where they sit and open up the word and they sit and listen to the word of god so that the word of god can strengthen their faith just sit there what will happen will happen i'm in the church now that that ought to make everybody happy Jesus, that ought to make you happy. No, no. He taught them as well. That means that you and I need to take the responsibility to sit down and to listen to the Word, to come into your hearts and lives, and we need to grow in the Word. Because if you grow in the Word of God, you grow in strength. In your faith. Yes? No? Amen? So this is what He did. He taught them. Didakon. It says there in verse 14, as he passed by now, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and he followed him. Just one sentence with one man's name. But there's so much sitting in here, which I want to unpack for you. Alpheus had a son. His name was Levi. Much expected. The name Levi points toward the priesthood, isn't it? The Levites of the Old Testament. One wonders why he gave him the son, Levi. Maybe the boy didn't turn out the way that the father wanted him to turn out. Have we experiences in our families about that? You see the poor little boy, the baby boy, you grow them up and you want them to turn out good and they don't turn out good. So here he brings the name of the father in. I wonder why did he put in the name of the father? Maybe there's expectancies that wasn't reached. This man here, Levi, who later on will be called Matthew, and will write the Gospel of Matthew, but let's, let's leave it there. This man was at the tax office. So he was a tax collector. And there's some things we need to understand about tax collectors of their day. Not today. Please don't take my recording and take it to the ATO, okay? There might be some people who's got family working in the ATO. This is not for you, okay? This is, this is back in the day, okay? Back in the day, the tax collectors were hated people by society. They were hated. These were some of the worst people that you could find and here this man not only do they talk about him as a tax collector but he is one of the biggest tax collectors because he's sitting in capernaum last week i told you about capernaum it was one of the major trade routes connecting egypt with the land now for a tax collector to be able to sit there oh man big dough big dough big dough big money and what did these tax collectors do? They were seen as very hated people. He was a Jew, and a Jew, the Jews didn't accept him because he was working for the Romans. He was collecting tax on behalf of the Romans. So everybody coming past needs to go and see Levi. Pay your tax, pay your tax. You say, what's wrong with the tax? hanging there. So not only was it the Jews who didn't like him, but the Romans also didn't like him because he wasn't a Roman citizen. He was only there for convenience sake. It's not as if the Roman high, uh, you know, high official would come around and say, Hey, Levi, you, you look like a really nice fella. Let's be friends, man. Come over to my house and have a barbecue or a braai, like South Africans do. He said, that's not going to happen. He was an outcast by the Romans, but the Jews see him and they think this man is in the pocket of the Romans and it's not as if the Jew high society is going to come around and say, hey, Levi, come over to my house and let's have a barbecue, a bride like the Saravikans do. It's not that kind of thing with this man. He's been casted out. So if you are casted out and rejected by your own people, who do you start looking for? Birds of a feather? They flock together. Isn't it Right? So here we find this man, the accusation against Levi was, he makes profit by cheating, intimidating and bribery. That was the accusation against him. Now let's learn from this. This man, the hated man, the outcast, the rejected man. First of all, cheating is a sin, who knows that? Well, if you didn't know it, I'm going to tell it to you now. If you are cheating somebody or if you're conducting cheating it is called a sin the Bible calls it a sin in James chapter 4 verse 17 he says therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him it is a sin to do good not to cheat people if you know not to cheat people and you do it what does the Bible say it is don't shoot the messenger. The Bible says it. He says, cheating is a sin. Now I wonder, I'm, I'm just thinking, over the years that I've met a lot of so-called Christians, how they cheat. They cheat at their workplace. They cheat their own brothers. They do all these things. But hey, I'm a Christian. She'll be alright, mate. It doesn't work that way. The Bible says it's a sin. This man conducted in that sin of cheating. Cheating somebody else good that we hear these things isn't it it's good that we hear it these days you don't hear it preach anymore do you cheating is a sin and my brother said it at the table this morning if it's a sin what do you need to do oh i'm feeling so sorry that you caught me is it a legal repentance that you need to do now if they're going to catch you, you are going to cry because they caught you. But what he said at the table this morning, there's say evangelistical uh, f- repentance, which is, I come to Christ and I say, Lord, I cheated, I repent of it as a sin, and I put it down never to take it up again. That's how you get out of it. The second thing that's an accusation against Levi was that he's an intimidator. And this is what the text... Uh, and by the way, I've got so many verses, but I can keep you the, the whole afternoon. Now, Robin has got some pies in a pie grove outside, and as he starts smelling, I need to preach. Okay, so so here it is. It, you know, these, there's so many scripture verses that I've got in this intimidation. Let's think about that. Ephesians chapter six, verse nine. He says, "And you masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening. Give up threatening. What is threatening? It's intimidation. Give it up." Knowing that your own master, can you see it's with a capital Easter? Who is he talking about? God. He says your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. And that means that God do not have favorites. God do not have favorites. For some people that might come as a surprise. I've heard so many people, a lady said to me once, I'm God's uh, favorite daddy's girl. God hasn't got a favorite daddy's girl or a, a favorite boy. He's not partial, he's impartial. All that matters is that your sins are you forgiven, and you are saved, and he will know your name. So here intimidation is another thing. And then bribery. These men conducted in bribery as well, the tax collectors. The Bible is clear about bribery. It says in Proverbs 17:23, a wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back to pervert the ways of justice. Now, let me just ask you, can you see this playing off on the, on the news, on your TV screens right now? What's happening in America, what's happening in Europe, what's happening all over the place? Then it is an absolute shame that they catch Christians doing all of these things. An absolute shame. You know, it, it, it is throwing the pearls before the swine, if Christians conducting this. That's what it is. But there are those who conduct in these things. So here is Levi. He's sitting there. He's hated by society. He's sitting in the tax office. He's got a lot of money. He's well off. But let it be known, even if you do have a lot of money and no friends, it means nothing. He's not feeling good about himself. What about his dad? Maybe there was an expectancy of his dad for him to read something. Maybe to become a priest. I don't know. You know, I'm just thinking these things. And the boy didn't turn out well. He's now a tax collector. It's not as if his dad is going to get friends together and, and there comes Levi walking in his dad and he goes, Hey everybody, quiet, quiet, my son arrived. Levi, the tax collector. It affects everybody. Let it be known that sin affects everybody, not only you, it affects your family. Here's this man. And I know it's a busy slide. But with God, this is the but, through Christ there is mercy. Somebody shout hallelujah. But through God, but with God, through Christ there is mercy to pardon the greatest sin and to give grace, and to sanctify the biggest sinners. This is why this man is standing here, by the grace and the mercy of God. I can honestly stand in front of you and say, I, I'm, not way, I'm not better than Levi. I'm not better than him. You say, oh, you, 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 you're saying you're bribed. No, no, it could be something else. One sin is not exempt from another sin. If you sin, you sin before God. But you know what? With God and through Christ, there is mercy to pardon. And we're going to see it with this man. So this man, the accusation against him was that, but he wasn't feeling better with, the, with his social life as I said to you. The Jews hated him, the Romans hated him, so he started choosing bad friends. And what does the Bible say about bad friends? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 33. Do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. Who knows that? Evil company corrupts good habits. You can train your child, you can bring them up. If it's away from the Word of God, good luck. I want to say it, just put it out there. If you raise your children without God, good luck. Because luck is what you're going to need. The only one who can replace luck is God. If you raise your children with God, the Bible says they will come back. They will come back to the path. But here is the thing, my, my dear friends. You raise them up and then friends come and they corrupt good habits it is important to choose friends good i say it so many over the years even in churches it is important to see what is the influence upon you from other people around you you need to listen to their voices because they give you a message they give you a message that message might be the way they were brought up the way that they see christianity the way that they understand the bible that is the voice And then you have the voice of God. Who are you going to listen to? You need to listen to the voice of God. So you've got to be careful. You need to listen to your friends. You need to listen to the messages they bring. But listen, if you're a parent here with children, more important than that, your friends, the voice that comes out of their their mouths, your kids' ears will, will grab it. They will hear it. So your friends will impact your children. Dad said, no, but Uncle eddies I hope there's nobody's got an Uncle Eddie here. (laughs) But Uncle Eddie says it's okay. This, This needs to be heard. We see this man, Levi, he's off the rails. He's sitting there with bad friends. And the Bible says you need to pick your friends carefully. You are known by your friends that you have. This is so true. I I put that, that is my words. I put that in myself, this and capital. That's so true. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's true. Now, Mark chapter 2, verse 14. We see now Jesus comes and he and he passes by this man sitting there. We've we've painted him now. You know, if 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 I if I think about myself and I think, do I want to be friends with this man? I just told you now. I just taught you a few seconds ago not to pick bad friends. And if I walk past this man now, I would go, yeah, yeah, take my money. But I, gee, you know, you're a bad, bad egg, bad egg. I don't want to. But why would Jesus then pick this man? You see, that is confronting to us. Because we we might have been 10 people ahead of Jesus before he came there. And there would have been people walking with us and we would have then said, hey guys, guys, that is Levi. You see, Levi, he was with us in primary in school and we played with him, we kicked ball. And, but don't friend him, don't friend him. Look at him, look at how bad he's turned out. Let's just put our money down. Don't even greet him, just walk on, just walk on. Isn't that how we are? It's either quiet because it's the truth or it is just quiet. But this is the thing. Jesus comes to him and he, and he turns to him and he says to him, Hey, Levi, follow me. Follow me. Is, this, is it a contradiction now? Is Jesus now making friends with, with bad people? No. Why would Jesus then choose him to be? Because it's only Jesus can see the value in a rejected man. Only Jesus can see the value in a rejected man. There was... Uh, in the Old Testament, they were looking for a king. And what did Samuel do? He got all the sons of, of uh, Jesse together. What did they do? They all lined up there. And there was these boys, man. They were in the gym every single day. Uh, they were in the gym man, pumping the irons. Okay, this is my translation, okay? And here they are, so big. And you know, Samuel is going to come. He's going to choose a king. And they all stand there and all had their favorites. And there was this old shepherd boy. Nobody looked at the shepherd boy. Rejected there's, there's some good news for you here if you sit here this morning and you feel rejected. There's some good news for you here. Only Jesus can see the value in you. Others might throw you away, but he sees the value. He came and they, they, they cry out, no, no, it's not the men, until they got David. And, and the word says that God looks at the, the, the intent of the heart. So, you know, he walks past. And there's, there's so many other people in the Bible. Peter, James, Andrew, John. What about these men? They were fishermen. They were fishermen. I, I think if they had to come straight from the boats in here this morning to come and sit, and no time to shower or anything. And sit at the back and you sit and you go... And there's that fishy smell going on. There's something fishy in the place. <laughs> They were rejected. You wouldn't think even. I mean, you, it's not only me saying it. You read through the Gospels. You read whenever these men came in contact with the establishment. They said, these men are only fishermen. Why, why, where did they get this? Where did they get this? And then I love this word in the Word of God. It says, they've been with Jesus. Don't you love it? Doesn't matter how you come, doesn't matter whether people think you stink, doesn't, doesn't matter whether they hate you like they hated Levi. When Jesus comes around and he calls you, you better stand up and walk with him because those people who reject you will turn around and say, He was with, she was with Jesus. I don't want a title in this world, I don't want an accolade in this world, I don't want an award in this world i just want people to say he'd been with jesus that's all that matters touching jesus he's the only one who can see a rejected man see how this happened now it happened in verse 15 as he was dining in levi's house he was dining in levi's house Whew, that's a big no-no this rejected man that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with jesus and His disciples, now this is it. This is where I said, You know, Levi's friends who was his friends, tax collectors, hated people, and other sinners sat with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees sees him eating and uh, with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, <coughs> Excuse me, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? How is it? It doesn't fit in our little box. It doesn't fit. And, and let me just say this. There's some people who use this passage and they preach that Jesus was sitting there and he, he was drinking alcohol and getting you know, drunk with these men and he was you know, like, no, that's not what it is. He was invited by Matthew, by Levi to come and to say goodbye to his friends because he's going to follow Christ. What a great opportunity. What a massive opportunity. Jesus' ministry moves from the rejected man now to a hopeless people. Levi's friends. This is where it moves. Remember he came to the hopeless man, the hated man, or, or the, hated, the rejected man. And he said, follow me. And he touched Matthew. And Matthew left everything behind. But there's one thing he was going to do. He said, let's get everybody together, all my friends. And I'm going to invite Jesus. And I'm going to invite them. And we're going to sit together. I want them to know that I'm leaving everything and I'm following Christ. This is not the first time it happened in the Bible, by the way. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 21, we find that Elijah, you remember Elijah, the prophet? By the end of his life, he needed to get a, a successor. And Elijah came around. And Elijah said to him, he said, Elijah said to him, follow me. And Elijah said to him, can I first go and say goodbye to my mum and my dad, you know, my parents. Elijah didn't want to have a part of it first. He walked away and we find this first there. He says there in 1 Kings 19:21. So Elijah turned back from him, that is from Elijah, took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. This is what Levi did. He was sitting there. Jesus said, come, follow me. I wonder, I just wonder what made him to stand up straight away and left everything. Let it go. You see, sometimes, and a lot of times, and most of the times, people get sick and tired of sin. They get sick and tired of sin. I don't want to do it anymore, but I keep on doing it. But when the master's voice came, oh man, he cut through everything. He has got the power over sin. He has got the power and the authority. So here, all the friends are together. And now it happened in verse 15, as he was sitting in that house, that these men came. That these, these men came and they said to his disciples, how is that he eats and drinks with the tax collectors and sinners? And it's fascinating for me. They didn't go directly to Jesus. Have you noticed? They didn't walk over to Jesus. They went to His disciples. And we've got to learn from this. Because I came across this and it is so true. It takes two persons to destroy you. An enemy to slander you. And a friend to tell you about it. Two people to destroy you, an enemy to slander you, and a friend to tell you about it. Friends and enemies get together to put Jesus on the spot now. These men, they came, the Pharisees, and by the way, have you noticed, it's not the scribes, now the Pharisees is coming to him. When it was the lame man through the, or the paralytic man through the roof who was there, the scribe said, who can forgive sins? Because the scribe studies the Bible, every single passage of it in the Old Testament. It is the scribes who could say to, to, to Jesus, only God can forgive sins. Because they are like the lawyers. They know every word legally. But here the Pharisees comes. This is the political party. They come now. And they say, we've got, we've got a status to uphold. You know, we are, we are Pharisees. We don't mix with the underclass. We don't mix with those sinners. No, no, we are up here, high society. And, and it's so that you find these things in churches as well. You find in churches people who think, you know, we are so holy, man. It shines out of us. That we can't even come down and touch somebody. These are this, it's the same thing here. These, these Pharisees came. They don't go straight to Jesus. They whisper to the disciples and go... And they try, and what is the thing here? Are you trying to make the disciples up against Jesus, his very own, his friends? They came to his friends and then they came to Jesus, and these, this is what happens. But I love Jesus' answer. I love this. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, they don't need a doctor, those people. And let's face it. It's not as if you're going to go this afternoon, everything is good with you, you're feeling well, your heartbeat is right, you're not sick or anything, make an appointment with the doctor. Are you? And then you turn up at the doctor and you walk in and you sit down and he goes, okay, okay Kylie, how can I help you today? Nothing. I'm feeling well. What are you doing here? Well, I just thought I'd come around to see you. He's going to think, is there something wrong here? That's not how it happens, he said to them. He says, those who are well don't need a doctor, but those who are sick. I did not come to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. And this means that the good news is that to all men and all classes find hope in Christ. Can somebody just call my wife, I'm finished, and then we're going to pray and sing. So what have we learned out of this? I don't know where and how the holy spirit speaks to you today because he is speaking to people. I don't know what angle he's using with you because as I said before in the sermon when you came here there's been conversation that happened in your life. I'm not privy to that and I should not be privy to a lot of those. I'm not I'm not God that God has put here on earth and I should know everything that goes on in your life. No. You and God knows what goes on in your life but you came this morning with that in your, in your emotional calendar, in your body, in your emotions, you're sitting here this morning and the Holy Spirit comes to meet you here. What did you learn this morning? What did you take out of this? Are you rejected? Are you fearful? If you are fearful this morning, know this, that He, he is the hope. He's the hope not only until salvation, but He's the hope for us for tomorrow. And then also, When we look around, let us know that we pray for people. Carry them to the cross. Carry them to the counselor. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it is uh, living, it is alive, it is powerful. My brother used that scripture this morning, it is sharper than a two-edged sword, it cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. And this part is important, Lord, it is the discerner of the hearts. And thank you, Lord, that you've discerned our hearts this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit go with us, Lord. Uh, Teach us this week, Father, let this sermon come back into remembrance. And Father, if anything happens during this week that is applicable to this message, bring it back to our memory, Father. Let the Holy Spirit recall it back to us, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name, Lord.